Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the Best Hang podcast featuring Max Kerman, Shane Cunningham, and I am Mike Bierman. Welcome to the Best Hang Podcast. I'm Mike. We got Max. We got Shane. Guys, it's good to talk. It's been a while since we've done a podcast. Dear listeners, I'm sorry. It's busy times. In fact, it's so busy. Busy? It's so busy. It's so busy. I don't even know how to say busy. It's so busy. It's busy, baby. That Max is calling in from Mm -hmm. Europe. Max, where in the world are you at this very moment? I'm in Leeds right now, um, and Leeds is, I think, in the north, from what I understand. There's a real like divide between if you're like a Londoner or if you're from the north, because uh, London is in the south. We were in Birmingham yesterday, though, and have you guys know anything about Birmingham? No. Uh, Amanda Marshall has a song called that, doesn't she? They have a basketball <laughs> team, the Bur- Birmingham Bullets, I believe. There you go. See, we know more than maybe you even thought. By the way, get. those two facts about Birmingham are probably the two least known facts about Birmingham. It's like the name of their basketball team and an Amanda Marshall song, <laughs> which really says something about us. Um, but yeah, we were there yesterday. It was a Saturday and it was sunny and there was a football game. And for the locals, that's uh soccer I'm referring to. Mm. And um, I got to see some good old fashioned hooligans. Uh at around there, people were kind of uh, in the pubs by 11 a.m. Every pub was packed. Birmingham, you know, that's where Peaky Blinders uh, is from. You know that show, Peaky Blinders? Oh, yeah. It's about a bunch of tough guys, right? I've never seen it, but people love it. Yeah, I think it takes place in the 1920s or something, but it has this like this a real working class, tough kind of inner city sort of feel to it. And by around five o'clock, just outside the venue, young lads were just throwing fisticuffs everyone was just wasted and you saw a legit fight outside I the saw pub probably about uh i want to say 
seven or eight dudes that were probably like 18 to 20 were just fighting with each other in the street. And there's security <laughs> guards that were just watching and couldn't give one fuck. They were kind of like laughing about it. I was kind of shocked. I was like, aren't you guys supposed to like break it up? Because, you know, North American <laughs> security guards, the second time and any, anything gets a little rough, they break it up. Here in Birmingham, they were just letting them fight like it was no big thing. It was it was very. Were unusual. you scared and or was it fun to see? I was scared because yeah. you know <laughs> you, you always you always hear those stories about like you know one person like landing weirdly and hitting the, their head on the sidewalk and then they're dead. That's yes. where my brain goes every single time. There's any sort of physical uh, interaction and um, yeah, so I was scared. I stayed behind the metal bar fence that separated our sort of bus parking lot with the street. And uh, yeah, that's my little slice of, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes they say uh, hooligan culture is dead, but it is not dead in Birmingham. It's, it's alive and well, it seems. What about Arkell's popularity? What's that like over there? <laughs> it's good. It's trending in the right direction. Okay, good. What we like to say. Nice. Yeah, yeah. No, the shows have been really good, actually. Um, yeah, we started, it's been a while. So yeah, we started in a Hamburg, no, uh, Berlin. Uh, and then we went to Hamburg and then Dusseldorf. Those are places in Germany. And then we, uh, took the, a ferry over across, had a day off in London. And then we played Bristol, Birmingham, uh, we're in Leeds tomorrow. Uh, we're up to Manchester, Glasgow, London, Brighton, and then we're home. So, uh, it's been good. It's been really fun. I think everybody's like, uh, pumped to be playing. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, enough about me. How's it going on, uh, on set? It's funny. I feel like I had some sort of stories when we were supposed to record last week. So much has happened. <laughs> we're recording two sketches a day, but I feel like the stories have came and went out of my mind. Is there anything notable to talk about? I don't know. It's yeah. It's it's interesting because it's like just the way that it works is it's twelve hour days. So you're kind of, and you get into a rhythm and that whole first week was all like on a studio lot. So like all the sets are kind of in one building. So it's like, oh, we have an operating room sketch. It's over here down the hall. Oh, we need a Chinese food restaurant. Oh, it's just down the hall. It's kind of a cool. And then the lunchroom's in the same place. And it almost becomes like this collegiate vibe where everybody is there and you see the same people every day. But on 12 hour days inside of a building, you lose track of time. Like you don't know it could be three o'clock. It could be 10 in the morning. Cause you start at seven 30 AM and you just sort of go by the schedule and you're like, Oh, like that first sketch wrapped. And then the second sketch is coming and we got, yeah. Anyway, but it, you do start to get like a bit of a brain fog and you just sort of focus on what's right in front of you. So to answer your question, Shane, Max, there's been a lot of stories, but I, I already, anything that happened a week and a half okay, ago, let me, feels I'll, like, ask, I'll ask you questions. I'll yeah, ask you, questions. Okay? Cause anything that happened okay. a week and a half ago feels like it happened like three months ago. Yeah. Okay, what was Unzi like as a director? Was he too nice? You know, was was he being too chill about things? Because Unzi, as as was told in the Bachelor Party episode, he's the chillest guy ever. But you know, he he also is a great creative and a great writer. What was Unzi mm. like as a director? Unzi's good because he's prepared. Like he always has his shot list in early. He's very chill, but. Since I was used to not chill directors and some directors who give me a lot of takes, I think I'm just warming up and then he's moving on. So, so I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, I, I thought I had like five more takes at that. So I'm not sure if I'm being the best because I'm used to more like Kubrickian style directors who just do take after take and overshoot a little. 
that I did feel a little like caught with my pants down. Uh, I always use the joke. There's the Simpsons episode where uh, Krusty the Clown comes in and shows uh, how so- how someone how to do a proper voiceover. He's like, here's how you do it, kid. He's like, number one. OK, Krusty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes through them all and then he just leaves and takes off in his car when he's done. And then the sound recorder goes, OK, Krusty, we're ready to roll. So it's a little bit like that with Unzi because it, it does go fast, which is people love, I think, because it's very efficient. But yeah, he's very chill. I don't think too chill, though. Shane, do you think that um, I'm just kind of curious as you uh, as an actor, because mm-hmm. I think of you as a comedy writer. I think of you as a like a comedian mm-hmm. in some ways. But like you're actually acting, you know, yeah. and like that that is an art that people spend you know, years and years and decades trying to refine. They go to acting classes and mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, who who do you channel to, to get in the mode of being an actor? I don't know, but people are treating me like I'm Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, <laughs> like I was just getting all these very nice messages yesterday. I was just hanging out because we're, we're off on the weekends. People are sending me messages like, oh, that performance. Bella sent me one. She She's one of the main uh, stars of the show. And she said that wasn't we, we shot a sketch that Mike directed called Mommy Feeds Baby. And she said that might have been the best performance I've ever seen anywhere comedically. <laughs> and I was like anywhere. I was like, wow. Yeah, I was I know we're into reading messages uh, on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> we are. And I don't want to embarrass anyone because these are supposed to be private messages. But. I don't think she would mind too much. Wait, let me see here. Okay. She says, just wanted to say again that you did such an amazing job with the performance. It's one of the best and funniest I've seen from anyone, period. So good. Wow. And then an hour later, I got another one from Jillian saying something similar. So... Though they're roommates, though, so they're conspiring. You know, no, they're, no, they're because they separate about. on the weekends. They're not roommates anymore. They they go their separate ways. Don't diminish so, his compliments, Max. Mm-hmm. Just let let him have these. You know, and Ferg, Ferg, our producer, was uh, very complimentary. Uh, Mike was, but it, it does feel what what they're not privy to is the early edits. And as any filmmaker knows, once you see an edit early on, it just ruins your confidence. Like I'm shattered. Like I get PTSD after I see an edit and these, these actors, they're not looking at the edits because everything does feel good on set. There is a good Mm. vibe after you shoot a sketch, you feel like you just shot the best sketch in the world. There was if something seems funny in real life, when you're on set, you think it's going to translate to video, but there's something magical and terrifying then happens that happens once something's captured on a camera that doesn't always that magic doesn't always translate into an edit. So I'm very aware of that. And I have changed my acting performance based on some edits I've seen where I'm cringing at my behavior. Mm. But um, it, it all gets has, figured out in the end. It's not like um, because I remember you're kind of the opposite when you create a song because you've been making a lot of uh, amazing songs for us in the show. And I just love the demos you send over and you call it demoitis, where you fall in love with the demo. And then when you hear the final produced version, you're like, I I prefer the demo. But with editing and film work, it's the opposite. The first edit is objectively terrible. Yeah, no, I, and with comedy, there's so much about the timing, right? It's like, yeah, even, yeah, I'm a bit of a editor myself. I don't know if you've seen the Arkell's TikTok work. (laughs) You're good. Uh, But I, I, I'm familiar with the concept. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I know. I, I, a lot of uh, the, the charm of a sketch show has to do with the editing. How is Mike as a actor? Because he has some acting roles too. Mike, mm-hmm. how are you feeling about your performance? Uh, did you read any books about the art of acting? Uh, did you listen to any podcasts? Uh, I was thinking about Ethan Hawke because Ethan Hawke was just on Smartless and I'm in the middle of that podcast. And he takes acting so seriously. Um, who do you channel, Mike? I channel Shane. Uh, no, I, uh, <laughs> I, no, I mean like the way I view it and like we've been doing a version of me- like shooting sketches and messing around since we were like teenagers, right? Like Shane, like ever since you get like a camcorder, you start making skits and so you kind of have like a comfort, but a comfort level on camera doesn't necessarily translate to like a good performance or mm-hmm. how you feel confident. So if, when I, if I'm acting in a sketch, like, yeah, like it's like, first of all, it's like anybody, like we're all wearing like a million hats and we all direct and we all edit. So, and sometimes you're kind of editing in your mind. And like Shane said, you're like, as long as I get six takes of this, I know one of them will be really good or funny or whatever usable. And then in that first sketch, you know, that, that first day on the sort of main set and the shoot, Matt Unsworth was directing and Shane and I were in it with Jillian. And when it came to my coverage, I'm like, Oh, I'll get to knock out. Like, like in my mind, I was like, I had like seven of sort of these looks that I needed to do in a version of a line. But then it was like, you know, one, two it was like, all right, moving on. It's like, Oh God damn, I hope we got it. Uh, and then luckily we have so many, you know, John Popolis, Mark Myers was on set that day. I think he was shooting in the afternoon, but like they're on the monitor around a corner. And so you do that thing where it's like, like, did you feel it? Cause I can't, I don't see the monitor I'm on, but mm-hmm. I can't even really speak to my performance. I mean, I have seen an early edit of the vasectomy sketch, but I don't know, Shane, what do you think? You'd be more sort of adept at maybe framing what you think. I thought you were very good. The vasectomy one, you made me laugh. And I'm not sure if you've seen the behind the scenes, Max, but Mike wears a beard in it and he plays this lawyer character. (laughs) And it just changes everything about Mike. I don't know what it is, but that beard (laughs) changes Mike in such a drastic way. And (laughs) people have been trying to like define it like, oh, he looks like he's Amish or he looks this or that. To me, he looks like a young Orson Welles when he he has that on. (laughs) And Orson uh, Welles, by the way, people might know him from that Welch's commercial when he's old, but when he was young, he's very good looking. So I, I don't mean this in an, an insulting way. <laughs> well, I, t- I don't take it as a, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a slight of any. But it does make me laugh just because I'm not used to seeing Mike this way. So we're in this vasectomy scene where Mike has to do this gesture like, hey, we're both getting snipped. And just the way he was doing it was cracking me up every time. But I haven't seen the edit because I've been so terrified at the other edits. It Did that edit work, Mike? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because people have been saying that's the best one of the edits we've seen, but I've just been hurt, you know, so I can't go back. I know, I know. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, and this is just a fascinating part. I know we're kind of going deep inside baseball here, but like about the process where like Shane says, you look at these first edits, you know, you go, okay, like X, Y, Z, like there's 10 things that need to change and comedy is about timing and shift, but yeah, the edit's good, man. Like it's, mm-hmm. it works and there's stuff in it. And I'm like, yeah, like it's like anything. It's like, I'm sure there'll be notes. I have a couple thoughts, but actually I'm interested, Max, do you find acting fun when you're not being yourself? It's a good question. Well, that was, I was only asking these questions to get to talking about me. So of thank course, you for the good segue. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We're passing the so ball So how back. would I be as an actor? Do you think? I'm a, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm a little left out here of the show. Would I be a good actor? Do you think? And now there's a second part to this question. 
it's those layers I find when you act because you're just funny. And when you're trying to be earnest, it's like, it's like, oh, that's Max. So that's funny that he's doing that. It's like how you can get away with wearing anything. It's because it's you. You have this quality. It's like my stepdad Brad a little bit. It's like that's nor good nor bad, but it's perfect. And that's what I find when when you're doing something. It, it always works almost in spite of your abilities or lack of, <laughs> lack of abilities. Yeah. yeah lack lack yeah, of yeah. Uh, experience. I mean, that's the best way. To say. There uh, you go. Well, yeah. Well, the, this is the other thing about acting too, which uh, I know this, I feel like this has been a conversation um, is that there's some people that could attend all the acting classes in the world and would mm-hmm. still be an unconvincing actor or just like a, not a likable or interesting actor. And then yeah. there's some people who just by the nature of the sound of their voice and the look of their face and the way they happen to walk around and the way they happen to interact with the world in just their very natural state are the best actors. And like Brad Pitt is kind of a good example of that. Brad Pitt, I love his acting. Does Brad Pitt even act though? He just kind of acts like Brad Pitt all the time, right? Like I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of these big movie stars just act like themselves and some of them don't actually have really any real range. What do you make of that? Well, Brad Pitt, I think in the movie Snatch, he's a little bit different. He's also in Burn After Reading, where he's a different character. Somehow they make the gym character him appear yeah, not yeah, attractive, good. which you'd think would be impossible because they don't really add prosthetics to him just by changing his hair and the way he's his disposition in Burn After Reading. It's like, oh, that's not an attractive guy. That's a loser. But he, he yeah, I do think he has range and I do think it's it's. Uh, underrated how hard it is to actually act like yourself Mm. it might be one of the hardest things to act natural you you do bring up a good point max and i i do i know maybe actors listen to this podcast i don't want this to diminish the art of acting or like sort of the people because in some ways too it's like we're fucking around and what is Mm -hmm. acting and all of that stuff and someone may watch the sketch show and be like oh like, I don't know, like they might have a different opinion than maybe we have of the, of the show or the acting ourselves. So it's not to diminish it. It's just more like, um, I don't know, is acting just about confidence or feeling like you're funny or remembering your lines? That's a whole other thing, by the way, there was, there was the one sketch Shane, like the lawyer sketch, right? Like, yeah, there's a lot of dialogue for this lawyer character I'm playing. And unlike when you're making sketches with your buds and it's like, oh, we're going to have a million shots at it and we can dial something in. It's like there's 30 people sitting around behind the cameras and a bunch of setups on this massive courtroom set that it's like, if you're the person that doesn't have your lines and you're one of the sort of the, you know, the the producers on the show, it's like, there was definitely, I felt, I was telling Shane, like, you know, we got through like the first three lines and I was like, oh fuck yeah, what is that line? I had to go back and circle back to my line. I could feel the heat rising in my neck where, Mm. oh, I'm on a stage and it's like, we've got, fucking 20 extras in the gallery. We got the jury. We've got all the people behind the camera. And I'm like, oh, I got to dial back into like this very like big character. But I don't know, Shane, like when you're acting, do you feel, is it how you imagine, I'm going to air quote real actors feel when they're acting, or do you still feel like you're kind of pretending? And do all actors always feel like that? When it's very quiet and you can hear like the whirring of the camera and it's on, sometimes I'm just, I get out of my body And then Mm. you get that little evil voice in your head. That's like, it's like when you're looking over a balcony, it's like, imagine you jumped off that. It's like, imagine you fucked up your line. (laughs) I get, I get that voice Mm. in my head and then I will just fuck it up just to appease the voice in my head that wants me to see what would happen in this weird social experiment. It's so Mm. strange, but oddly I find I fuck up way more 
the less lines I have because I I don't rehearse as much because I think on the day I'm going to get it. And case in point would be when Mike had all these difficult lines and these unmotivated lines, meaning a lot of it were the lines were very similar without necessarily like a break where you could find where you are and in a way that normal people talk because the whole speech that Mike gives is all about swearing. So it's not the way people talk. So when somebody cues you, you don't necessarily definitively know where you are in the script. But for me, I had this speech and it was like, I don't know, not not so long on paper. I'm like, I'll just learn it on the day. And I my mind went completely blank and everybody's looking at me. I'm like, I don't know my line. And then I had that happened to me like four or five times. But you once you get burned by that, you tend to do better the next day because it's it's mm. embarrassing. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I would be very interested though to see Max. Like say like Max was in town and we were like, come by the studio. We have a role for you. And what it would be like with you or if just by the nature of you being Max, like like, you know, you're a, you're a famous person. Like, I wonder what the energy would be like on set if Max had like entered that environment and it's like, he's playing this role today. And then, cause you're a confident guy. And a lot of times mm-hmm. acting is about, I think, confidence and embodying what you're doing in that moment and not thinking about everything that's happening around you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, do you need to have a class to sort of just inherently understand that? I guess that's the question I'm getting to, Max, is you're like, people go to school and all that stuff. But in some ways, it just feels, I guess, Mm -hmm. intuitive when, you know what I mean? If you've ever done any kind of like public speaking. Yeah, it's a good question because, you know, sometimes you'll see like musicians make cameos on Saturday Night Live. And that's kind of like what we're talking about. It was like if I showed up to the thing, because these musicians are on set with sketch comedians that play all sorts of kinds of roles every day. And then the musician will have to show up and deliver some lines. And some musicians are really good at it and some musicians aren't so good at it. I guess sometimes they're playing themselves though. In this particular context, we're talking about me playing a role of somebody else. Um, But yeah, I I guess it would have to do with the casting of it, right? Wouldn't you say that that'd be a big part of it? I think that's a big part of acting in general is the ones that uh, have range can play a lot of different characters. Mm -hmm. and And then there's other actors who just kind of get cast. Like if you had stepdad, stepdad, Brad would be amazing 
as stepdad Brad like character and would be like the star of any movie if he kind of had to play a version of himself. But if you had to have him do, you know, be like, you know, some other character that was not of him, then he might not yeah. do as well. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I, it just depends on what, what I'd be casting is really the, is, is the question. And, uh, and there, cause I'd probably be really bad if I had to do something that was like sort of out of my wheelhouse or out of my character. I find yeah. it's a lot easier if the scene requires yelling or crying or any extreme emotion. I find those things easier to act. It's when you have to mm. be quieter or subtle. And that's what I think in watching any like dailies or anything, I'm like, Oh, I have to like, tone it down. I'm trying to be funny. I'm, I'm begging for a Mm. laugh here at certain points and I don't like that version of myself. So in comedy, especially people are like, Oh, this is a sketch show. Therefore I have to be bigger, louder, less realistic. And sometimes that's not the right move. That's what makes the Mm -hmm. Tim Robinson show so funny because he can just do really normal conversation in a really just like convincing actorly way. But then he can like freak the fuck out in the most loud, absurd ways. And it's just like, that range is actually he's depressing because he's so perfect comedically. He can do everything and screaming funny. Maybe there's 10 people in the history of comedy who can actually do it where it's truly funny to scream. It's like Will Ferrell, Tim Robinson, maybe Adam Sandler. I can't even think Chris of Farley, Chris yeah. Farley yet yeah, to scream and be funny and not just seem like you're begging for a laugh is a magic trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is, it's, it's, and, you know, we talked about Matt Unsworth as a director. Mark Myers is directing a bunch of these. He did the pilot. Con Acklin, great director. Allison Johnson, great director. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been really cool to work with so many creative people. Shane, you were going to just say yes, sort of off mic. One of uh, the sketches Con was directing, it's called Grandpa's Basement. And it's a little bit of a quieter sketch. So I couldn't hear what the actors were saying. So Khan suggested I wear these headphones, which you can hear the microphones of the actors. And I'd never done that before because usually you can hear. (laughs) So a little backstory. I have a fear of belly buttons. It's called like amla flama phobia or something. It's this complicated word to say, (laughs) but I have a fear of belly buttons and I despise my own belly button. And I have a very, what about it? It's disgusting. It's like an Audi. (laughs) You despise your own belly button. I can't touch it. I can't go near it. Um, I don't know if I have like a mild hernia, but there's something that's went terribly wrong. I I always had like a half any half Audi, more of an Audi, but now it's in like this little cavernous area, this pocketed thing. So anytime I'm shirtless, I'm worried someone's going to point it out or talk about it. Anyway, in this sketch, this grandpa's basement (laughs) sketch, it's about a sexy car wash calendar and how this grandfather, Mm. when he was younger, he revolutionized men being integrated into women's sexy car wash calendars. So when grandpa's flipping through the calendar or, or the, the young, his granddaughters are, they spot young grandpa and I play young grandpa in the calendar. So I'm shirtless soaping up a car. So right before Jillian smart, who's one of the actresses is about to roll is when I put my headphones on so I can hear the actors and I hear her whispering to the other actress. It's like, Oh, I dare you to say what the fuck is wrong with this belly button in this take? It's like, yeah, what the, what the fuck is wrong with it? And everyone on set is wearing these things so they can hear everyone talking about my belly button. And I've only had this thing on for like two seconds. So I'm like, uh, I can hear you ladies. I can hear you. Uh, let's not talk about that. And it just, <laughs> I, 
I started like sweating inside and out and I had to go over and then before and be like, listen, I have a fear of belly buttons. They're like, what? They don't know if I'm serious or joking. And I'm like, I think I have a hernia and I get into this like 12 minute little diatribe about my belly button. But yeah, I found that I, I never wore those fucking head pieces since. Uh, Shane, have you had any near meltdowns? Is anybody any near meltdowns or any lashing out or, uh, or any drama on set? Cause I've heard stories about, you know, directors mm-hmm. saying, you know, don't, uh, don't talk to me or go through the assistant director or like, no, that's, you know, like stay in your place. Like, is there anything, uh, anything like that happening? The closest would be in grandpa's basement sketch at the very end. I didn't feel like we got enough close-ups of the calendar. So that was frustrating me. So I did, I maybe lost my cool for a five minute period, but like nice. I've been very cool the whole time. So me losing my cool, it wasn't, it was probably only noticeable by contrast of how, not losing my cool I've been. So when I got a mm. little bit frustrated, I think people are like, oh, he does have that capacity to be kind of like a little bit annoying. Also, I think one of the things like helping, yeah, like you've been awesome. Like for for all the hats you're wearing, like you've actually been incredibly like uh, not just even, mm. but like easygoing, like light, yeah. you know what I mean? Like all of you, you, you yeah. Jillian and Bella, like as the stars, you guys have been very good. Like the set's the vibes on set have been awesome. And I want to give a big shout out to our director of photography, Daryl Wong. Oh my Mac, God. He would yeah. fucking love this. He is the, he is the best. He is like so calm. He's so fucking talented. Like he's like, all right, like you tell him what you want as a director. And he's like, all right, we're going to like this list, this boom here. Let's set this shot up here. Amazing. His team is amazing. Coolest uh, Timmy, voice ever. Daryl Wong. You could fall asleep to his voice every night. Oh, I love that. You'd love his story, Max. So he, mm. he's a former uh, pro. Like he had tryouts with like the, 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 the Charlotte Hornets or they were the Bobcats at the time. What? He's like yeah, six, yeah. seven covered yeah. in tats. Coolest looking guy wow. in the world. Played in Europe, huh. had tryouts uh, for NBA teams, didn't stick with any of them. And then I guess blew out his knee. And then he's, he basically was like, what am I going to do? Like, what's my career going to be going forward? He ended up on some sets doing some uh, photography, I guess, for his his wife. And then he he sort of started to be like, what's that guy doing? Like the director of photography. Uh. And he basically just like learned. And he's so talented. And it just feels like we we won the the DP lottery because mm-hmm. his, his- Let's get his, him on the pod. That'd be, oh, he'd be an interesting guest. That'd I think awesome. as we get closer to the show coming out, we'll do like a, a Jillian, Bella, Shane mm-hmm. pod. Love it. We should have Daryl on the pod because his story is awesome and he's just the best. And his insights would be very fascinating on working with all the directors and all of the way the whole machine works. Yeah, that would probably be more interesting us, as opposed to us just talking about ourselves, hearing other people talk about us and our yeah. quirks. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think that'd be fun. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Sometimes I think about like just the way culture has evolved and just like the way, you know, certain jobs in our world are like placed with higher value. And because like you guys are talking with this guy, it's like this guy's the fucking greatest. Like like th- what he's doing should be the star of the show or should be the most like featured part of the operation. Obviously, Shane you know, being the creator and the star mm-hmm. obviously deserves all the flowers. But sometimes I, I only put this, I say this because I think about my context sometimes where I'm like, sure, like I, you know, I'm the guy out front and leading the dance. But I'm like, but do you know that like Ryan Haynes, our monitor guy, this guy's insane. He's like fixing guitars. He's mixing the entire show from the side of the stage. He's doing this, this, this. He's loading all the gear. This guy, this guy needs to be the star of everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, this guy's yeah. way more important. I always, I'm just like, I just sort of a coincidence that like the way culture 
and society has evolved that certain people get placed on the pedestal. I'm like, no, no, no this other guy is way, way more important. I really well, mean that. Well, it's always funny for me because I see how talented these people are and they've worked on the awesome stuff, Nike commercials, everything. And uh, at the beginning of the day, I'll be like, this is my first sketch, guys. I'm really excited to see, to see this one work out. And then it's quiet and we're on set and the sketch is like, what do you mean? I got to take a shit. You took a shit. And everyone's just quiet (laughs) listening to a sketch about poopy and farty. And it just, to me, I'm like, this is the funniest part of the show. It's the behind the scenes watching people react or not react to the certain sketches. Yeah. For our listeners, Max's audio equipment has died in Europe. So now you're going to be getting the zoom feed for the rest of the, of their episode. Go for it, Maxie. Um, Okay. Uh, okay. I want to have a little brainstorm with you guys since we're talking about actors. So our Kells have an off day between our show in Glasgow and Manchester. And there's a uh, kind of newer friend of mine. He's a film producer. His name is Matthew Budman. He's from Toronto. He lives in LA now and he's producing the new David O. Russell movie. Wow. The new David O. Russell movie comes out uh, this fall. It's called what are Amsterdam. some movies David O. Russell has done? Just... Silver Linings Playbook, uh, American Hustle, Three Kings. You know, he's done like a bunch of like big time shit. I heard Huckabees. I heard Huckabees. Um, and so Matt said, uh, Budman was like, you can come to the premiere if you want to come to the premiere. We'll be in London. I was like, well, we do have this off day. We're going to be in Manchester. Um, and I can just take the train into London and maybe we'll go. So I will see if it happens. There's still a few little details, but I think Christian Bale is going to be there. Whoa. I think Margot Robbie is going to be there. I've never been to a movie premiere. Got any suggestions for me? Do anything I should do? Anybody I should try to meet? What should I wear? I think I might be able to walk on the red carpet. So is there any, uh, just like any, anything I can do to take advantage of the occasion? You know what I mean? Hmm. I think I might get to go to the after party too. I'm fascinated when you ask what you should wear, because I find that this thing that you do is say it's like a suit or a black tie affair. You like to show up in like a Budweiser hat and like a hockey jersey, not a hockey jersey or like a, you know, some old like vintage t-shirt. You go the opposite way at like a fancy, like premiere in London for a David O. Russell film. Will you take the same approach or will you fall in line with the way that people dress at these things? See, I like to flex like that if I feel like I'm a, the big dog in the room. You know, as Shane's billionaire courtside theory. Yes. But in the, in this situation, I'm just being disrespectful because I'm not the big dog in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just an asshole. Like, but it's like, why didn't you dress it up? Like, you're ruining my premiere. <laughs> uh, so you will wear a suit or you'll dress, you'll, you'll be appropriate. I think I'm going to yeah. do that today in Leeds. I got to find something. Unless anybody in London is listening and wants to give me a suit. But... Um, like, do I, do I say something to Christian Bale? Let's say I find myself next to Margot Robbie. Like, what's my opening line? Like, what do I say? Mm. Right? Like, yeah. or any of the big dogs. Because, by the way, for, for, I don't know who's going to be there, but, but um, the movie stars uh, Robert De Niro, Mike Myers, Taylor Swift, uh, Timothy Oliphant, Chris said, Rock, when you John David Margo, Washington. When you see Margot, you say, hey – How's it going? My name is Max. Do you, do you know who's in this movie? What's this movie about? Like, act like you don't know who she is or what the hell you're there for. Uh, yeah, I like that. that or just, I know you from somewhere. What, <laughs> you look familiar. Jill? What if you, Jill. What if you said, like, this is a David Spade thing that he used to do. But if you were like, uh, hey, aren't you that famous musician? And be like, oh, wait, that's me. And then be like, my name is Max. Of course. 
I actually saw a video, I think Ash posted in our, our uh, pod group of you dancing on a stage, double fisting beers. You were just sauntering around and she was like, this is what's currently happening. Was that a double fist or was that a microphone and a beer in your hand? Oh, I think it was a microphone and a beer. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. confu- thank you for clarification. Yeah. I assumed he was double fisting. I beers. assumed so. I had to watch it a couple times, and then I, I paused yeah, no, it. Yeah, it was a beer. But I will say, um, you know, we're over here during a very interesting time because the queen uh, passed away just before we flew over, and there was talk of having to cancel the tour even because we we're hearing all these different rumors that the UK was going to be in a state of war- mourning and there'd be no events for the next twelve days. And we're like, what the hell? I was like, maybe that was the rule a hundred years ago, but that can't be the rule now. We just got through COVID. We're in the modern era. People have, the economy needs to be, you know, up and alive. Sir, this is a Wendy's. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And at 96, right. It's not that unexpected. It's more of a celebration. Like we're just appreciate that we had her here for this long, right? (laughs) I don't know. That's what I'm trying to say. The the Brits are are very sad about it. Or some Brits are very sad about it. Oh, so I got a, I got a very quick Queen Elizabeth. uh, uh, We're on set when the news comes through that she's passed and con, one of our directors, he's on set. We're doing this like bank robbery sketch and I'm talking to con uh, in a break and shooting. And I was like the queen, you know, crazy. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, um, you know, it's, it's sad, but ultimately like maybe this is an opportunity to reset and review the way that we think about the monarchy. And he, he went for like, like, and he had interesting thoughts on how we should proceed forward. And after like three minutes of talking, he paused and I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. I suspect foul play. No one just dies at 96. I was just, I was just yes. waiting. I set it up to fucking get to my punchline, but then he dove right into deep thoughts. And I was like, do I engage? Cause I actually have thoughts on the monarchy too, or do I just wait for the moment and then hit him with yeah. the punchline. And then it was way more effective to give it the whole, cause then he, he, and he was like, you were waiting that whole time. I was like, yes, I was. And that was, yeah, that was, uh, I, that I was have the joke. A, my stock joke. Anytime in their, anytime anyone in their nineties dies, I was going, Oh yeah. Queen died. 96 skydiving accident. I'm all, I always, that's good. Yeah. It's That's always good. like an extreme sports mishap, but it yeah, works every time. The murder joke might've been Jillian's too. It was like, we all started joking about it at lunch. And so it was like, then after lunch, that's when I hit him. With, but I was like, do I engage? I was like, nope, I'm st- I'm holding out for the punchline. It's so hard for me to enjoy those moments. Cause I'm just racing to get to the joke and I'm just like <laughs> ch- champing at the bit. <laughs> Anyway, Max, go on. The Queen, the morning. No, they, well, we, 12 days. So we don't know what to do. So we posed the question to TikTok. And it, TikTok's interesting because like it, it's very the, – the, the post could end up in any particular algorithm. And the algorithm that it ended up in was a very pro-monarchy, UK-based algorithm who had no clue who the fuck we were but just loved the Queen. So everyone's like, first of all, you're going to have to cancel. Second of all, it's not even your choice. The gig is canceled. Third of all, don't call him King Chuck. It's King Charles because I refer to him as King Chuck. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) And then, but then I posed the question to uh, our fans on Instagram, like Brits that were coming to the show. And they're all just responding in the DMs being like, no, no, just play the show. No one gives a fuck. The only people that actually really care would be like, uh, hurt by your show happening that evening in Leeds uh, would be old people who wouldn't be coming to the show anyway. Yeah. So, and people in our own DMs 
could care less. They're like, just come to the show. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then, but then it kind of leads me like, can I be making jokes on stage about the queen or not even about the queen, just, just sort of about the situation. So like last night, uh, during the encore, I said like, you know, I know it's a very sad time here in the United Kingdom. I know we're in a state of mourning. So we want to play a song that the queen loved. It was near and dear to her heart. It was one of her favorite songs ever. Here's Gimme, Gimme, Gimme by ABBA. That's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. You came up with that? Nice. That's really good. Good work. Yeah. What does the queen Uh, do though? Like all she does is have big scissors, right? And she cuts ribbons at events. Isn't that it? That's all they do, right? Is there anything else they do? They're on money and they cut ribbons. That's it. Speaking of the money, like we're going to now live in a world where King Chuck is on the quarters. Like like our children, Chaz, our children are going to live in a world where Chaz is on the money. Like, isn't that wild? Like, when do they flip it over? Do they have a grace period or is it just right to to Charles on the money? And does he get to pick the photo and what age is he in the photo? I wonder. (laughs) It's this 70 shot of him in the polo gear looking great. It's like, well, Charles, we think it has to be more representative of how you look now. Oh, dear. Um, (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Destroy the mirrors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Wrap it up. You got to go. You got to go now. I do. Or we could do a thing where I go and you two just keep going. No, No, that would be incredibly awkward, Mike. I've never been alone with Max before. You you guys are affording me more respect than Max afforded the queen. I got to say right now. Uh, But yeah, I guess uh, RIP Liz. Where are you going today? Are you talking to me or Max? Yes. Uh, well, both of you. Where Where are you going today, Max or Mike? Sorry, I'm going. I, my brother's getting married, as we all know, to the wonderful Laura DeSantis. So we're going to meet uh, my brother's future uh, father and mother in law. We're going for a, like a nice lunch in Toronto to like uh-huh. everybody gather up and because the wedding's happening in a month and all that business. So, so the wedding yeah, is yeah. October 18th. Yes. No. Okay. Later. I think okay. it's like twenty something. Okay. I got time. You got cool. time. You got time. Cool. Um. Yeah. So I'm going to have. Uh, lunch with my brother's future in-laws max nice. where are you going i gotta go find a suit for this movie premiere man <laughs> yes nice. and oh god what a great tease for next episode what what does max do at this movie premiere we'll see we'll see if we if I go but i think i hope i'll come back with some stories but you know this this pumps me up because whenever um there's like a moment where i'm like should i do this thing should i talk to somebody should i put myself out there i just go even if it goes terribly, it'll make an amazing story for the pod. Right? Better like, if it goes bad. It, it's almost better if it goes bad. So it's like, so now I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah I'm definitely going to talk to Christian Bale and try to chop it up with Christian. That's yeah. awesome. And Margot yeah. Robbie, you have to speak to her. Yeah. Act like you yeah, don't she, know who she is. Just do it. But but she, but, I, but if it's the after party, then we will have just been watching her in the movie. Yeah. What is my, cause, cause I can't get like Nick nurse on FaceTime for this thing. Right. Like that doesn't work with Margot Robbie. Probably mm-hmm. no. tried to do it with Scotty Barnes. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what your move is, but uh, you'll figure it out. And I think that not knowing is a good tease for next episode. Cause then we'll get to know what you did. And I guess listeners will see on Instagram. Will you ask anyone for a photo or is that, you know, that's not, you know, what's your deal? Are you going to be like, Hey Christian, can we get a quick one together? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't want to embarrass Budman either. So that's important as well. Okay, TBD. TBD. All right. RIP Queen Elizabeth. We've never known a world without you. Uh, Those of us on this podcast, but we're entering a brave new world. And uh, guys, been a great hang. Maybe the best. 
Thank you to Nathan Nash putting it all together. Thank you to Manager Ash for everything. See y'all next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.